Borat Dog Earthlets. My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 209th episode of Space Spinner yeah. 2000. Yeah. Podcast where two Americans are to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for October and November 1989, progs 650 to 653. We're at the start of a new era. Whoa. All new thrills, two more in color, and since it's a fresh start for 2000 AD, we're making this a new listener episode. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so before we get started, let's just talk a little bit about the recent history of 2000 AD, and then get to some terms that I think will be helpful in reading the comic and listening to our show. You know, my goal with these new listener episodes is just that, like, if you're new to Space Spinner or 2000, you know, you can sort of jump into our prog slog as, you know, which I'll explain later, as we go, just so you don't have to be like, oh, like, I'll never get to the present because there's 208 episodes before oh, this God. one and stuff like that. You know, just, I don't know. I feel like it's, it, it might be helpful if you want to sort of jump in where we have more knowledge about stuff and better recording abilities and like, you know, just generally, yeah. you know, just And different- you kind of want to keep that 200 to 300 hours of your time. Yeah. Or just, you know, because you w- want to jump into a certain era of 2000 mm-hmm. AD. Like this is definitely sort of a, of, of a different era here. Very colorful. Exactly. So let's talk about some recent 2080 history here, Fox. Okay. Um, yeah. So um, if you want the early history of 2080, you should check out our episode one redo episode, which should now yeah. be alongside our original episode one in like September of 2016. D- 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 down at the bottom of the feed, which should have some stuff on the, on the early days. Where we are now, though, 2080 is a comic of contrasts, to quote a high school history paper. Mm. Um in 1987, 2080 was bro- was bought by Robert Maxwell as part of the Fleetway Company, and it hasn't been run exceptionally well, sadly. Uh, bad yeah. contracts have caused much of the original artistic talent to go elsewhere for work, off from no. the U.S., and the classic writers aren't willing to make new characters without some skin in the game and, you know, a copyright, um, like a re- remuneration and royalties and stuff like that. Um, a new contract um, to counteract this Fleetway has redone some of their contracts some, uh, recently to try to attract new talent and bring back some old folks. And we're starting to see the fruit of that now. After awesome. several, yeah, after several rough months typified by filler and reprints, that's sort of late 88, early 89, we're starting to see 2080 once again firing on all cylinders with Fuck new yeah. stories and new directions. Yeah, it's awesome. But, of course, I should say all is not well because the 1990s are generally seen as a low point in 2080 histories. Uh-huh. So there's certainly some storm clouds gathering on the horizon. Join us as we sail into them. Oh, my God. <laughs> I am be. glad to see Ascara's back, too. So oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, he's he's going to do – he's going to get pretty crazy over the next couple months for sure. Fuck yes. So as we're getting into this, um, let me just – I, I, I just want to explain some some terms we use a lot on this show that might be a little weird to the uninitiated. And those the main terms are progs, thrills, and thargs. PTT of Space Spinner 2000. <laughs> so, prog, Fox. Each issue of 2000 AD is called a program or prog. Each prog is about 36 pages long. We're right at the start of this big relaunch of 2000 AD, where the number of color pages has tripled, allowing for three color stories in an issue instead of the previous one. Super rad. Yeah, it costs 40 pence to buy it. Gone up five pence to, starting now. 
Um, 2080 is an anthology comic, which means that instead of one story that goes for the whole issue, it's got several, usually between four and six, um, with different and usually non-related stories going on all at once with different creative teams. We call these stories thrills, our second term. So an individual story in 2000 AD is a thrill. We usually organize our, our, our podcast around the thrills. So you hear all the Judge Dredd stories in a given month instead of like, I don't know, we talk about all the stories in Prague 650 that moved to Prague 651, for instance. Right. Keep the um, through line. Yeah, I think it makes things a little bit more organized. All stories in 2080 should be thrilling, hence the name, with an, a- with an aim of causing thrill power overload in Ooh. readers. Some thrills are one-off, usually coming under the headings of Future Shocks. Others are short-lived miniseries lasting between maybe six and a dozen progs or so. And some, most notably Judge Dredd, are evergreen, long-running comics. Though these are usually grouped into serial-style stories, jumping from one cliffhanger to the next. This episode, I'll try to give explanations of the thrills as we come to them, as well as some backgrounds on their creative teams. So our final term is Tharg. Most anthology comics, especially in the late 70s when 2000 started, have a character that introduced and organized the material within. It's the same role as like Rod Serling in the Twilight Zone or the Crypt Keeper in Tales from the Crypt. Just a, a character that's there to introduce, a consistent character that's there to introduce a, a, a far less stable lineup, if that makes sense. For 2000 AD, it's the alien editor Tharg, a green-skinned, white mohawked alien from the planet Quaxan in the Beetlejuice system. He eats plastic cups and will always tell you that he is mighty and awesome, and he calls humans Earthlets. He claims all the writers and artists in 2000 AD are robots that he built Oof. to spread the good news of thrill power in the world. That's why in our credits we call them script robots and art robots, etc. The words we use to open the show, Boragthung, and spl- and to end the show, Splundigvorthrig, basically mean hello and goodbye in Tharg's language. And sort of creates this just general kayfabe of, um, you know, the story being created by aliens and robots to sort of uh, thrill the, uh, the human beings. In reality, the current editor of 2080 in our podcast timeline here in 1989 is a human named Richard Burton, or accused human, I suppose. Um... Beyond that, oh, I should say, uh, I, I, I mentioned a prog slog, which just means reading all the 2080 progs in a, in a, in a period, basically. Mm-hmm. Our show is a prog slog cast. There's progs, there's, there's a, a, a couple of prog slog blogs out there, including a recent episode <laughs> where we talked to Sheridan, who has one. Um, and it's just sort of, you know, because there's so much 2000 AD, it can, you can, it's very, very easy to just sort of be constantly shifting through, um, episodes to, um, you know, just be, Going over these old thrills, going over this old thrill power and stuff. Um, beyond that, just if you're interested in 2080, I'd say dive in. The progs themselves, as we cover them, sadly aren't available for purchase directly, <laughs> though I'm sure it's possible to find old ones on eBay or similar places to that or in scummy p- corners of, of the dark web. That's all I'll say about <laughs> that. Um, also pretty like all the stories we're covering today and many of the, of the ones we're talking about generally have been collected into graphic novels, which you can purchase as digital editions or, 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 or hard copies from the rebellion web store. That's the current owners of 2000 AD at shop.2000ad.com or at your preferred bookseller. I, I think a lot of this stuff's on a comiXology as well. Mm-hmm. We try to, 
put out collection episodes periodically that take our episode content and match it up with these graphic novels. But that's a slow process and there's just a lot of stuff to cover. So, you know, it's sort of when I have time and often what we need to to fill some space in our in our production schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want to read along with us with what we're covering today, you'll find you'll find what, what we're talking about in Judge Dredd, the complete case files 13, Zenith Phase 3, The War Machine, The Dead Man, and Slaying the Horn God Book 2. Rad. Or maybe just Slaying the Horn God. I think actually all the books are in one collection. There, there, there's a oh, new really? one coming coming. I mean, this the Horn God get gets gets re-released. Like like the Horn God and Halo Jones are these two stories that that are 2000 ID re- re- releases and re-releases constantly. So <laughs> okay. I believe there should be ex, you know extra copies there. So yeah. all that said, Fox. <laughs> Enough are we going to talk this. about some comic books? Yeah, let's stop not doing it and start doing it. And in this case, head out to 301 Judge Dredd. Oh, so good. Yeah, so script good. Robot, definitely. Script robot John Wagner, art robots John Higgins and Carlos Oscar, letting robot Steve Potter and Tom Frame. That's so great when it's in He earned it with his blood. Fear the gun. <laughs> Your sentence might be death because I am the law. Judge Dredd is the most popular character in 2000 AD. His stories have run nearly constantly since his debut in Prague 2. He's only missed two other Prague since then out of the 650 that we've covered so far. 653, actually. Judge Dredd is a police officer in Mega City 1, a megalopolis that spans the eastern seaboard of the United States in the year 2111. That's just right now, actually. The year in Judge Dredd moves forward with the year of the publication date. It's always 122 years in the future from when the comic comes out. In Mega City One, the judges are judge, jury, and executioner of the uh, of of the laws of the city with sweet uniforms and dope motorcycles. Uh, Dread in the comics is kind of a mix of the ninety five of the nineteen ninety five film and the twenty twelve film. It's a, it's by moments both very grim and very silly. Dread was created by John Wagner and Carlos Escara, who unite to work to to work on him again this episode. Uh, besides his two thousand AD work, John Wagner might, might be best known for writing the comic. The movie A History of Violence was based on, um, and he's done some some time working on Batman with his former uh, writing partner, Alan Grant. Uh, John Higgins, who's one of the artists here, was the colorer for several seminal comics, um, including Watchmen and The Killing Joke. Rad. Um, while Carlos Escara and while Carlos Escara isn't uh, well known outside the British Isles, there he is considered a master of the comic art form, including several amazing characters, um, creating several amazing characters, including Judge Dredd and Strontium Dog. So fucking agree. The man oh, is yeah. the man is a, a goddamn prophet. Absolutely, he's really great. He's got this really distinctive art style. He's got the, these these scratchy edged lines and stuff like that. Solid, like uh, uh, it's it, it's really distinctive. I must say. Also, I should say that we're currently gearing up for a new half year long Judge Red mega epic called Necropolis. But it's Ooh. it's a slow gearing up, Fox. We're still six months out, so don't worry. Jesus, no. Oh come on, I want it now. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. All right. Listen, let's record more. I'm up for it. Um, but- <laughs> it's been so long since a mega epic, man. It's the start of 88. It's been, it hasn't been too long. Anyway. That's a thousand years ago. Possible. Possible. <laughs> 
So Higgins opens us up on, on art here as we see two judges, Dread and the Cadet in the distinctive yellow helmet. We'll be seeing a lot of this, this episode running through a routine combat assessment. We see double images as Dread and the Cadet um, run through a gun course shooting robot perps and saving robot bystanders. They both do well, but Dredd hesitates as a robot um, on a robot judge is actually a fake or a jimp, as they call uh, mm. as, as they call fake, fake, fake judges. Because of that, he's worded a near perfect score. He's one of eight judges who have gotten a perfect one on the test, but instead this time gets a point nine eight nine. It's like a batting average here, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the cadet though gets. A one. <gasps> so now not, there's nine people who have done it. Not even Dredd got a one in his first time out. Oh, <laughs> man. Who is this guy? Oh, yeah. it's a, above my pay grade. Mm. Yeah, they, yeah. J- Judge Odell, who's watching this cadet go through, uh, just says, yeah, don't worry about it. And then goes to the cadet and gives him back his badge, saying that his assessment was just passable. Just, you're fine, buddy. Could use some work, to be honest. Oh, my God. The cadet puts his badge back on. It's Judge Kraken! We met him last Mm. year. He's a young clone of Dread, created and raised by a breakaway judge faction known as the Judda. Uh, Kraken is the last of the Judda and being secretly groomed for something. What? Mm. We'll see. (laughs) So, after that new story... With oh, Carlos, fuck yeah. Carlos Escara taking over art duties here. And from one cadet to another. As as the as at the Academy of Law, Dredd is meeting with uh, with instructor judge Hadrian Volt about a young cadet. They picked Ooh. him up from a refugee camp after he witnessed his own mother's murder. It's the forbidden judge of Dredd's old pal, Judge Giant. Oh my God! He had a lady and then a kid. Seriously, G- uh, Giant was a was a frequent um, sidekick to uh, Judge Dredd, including in one very important epic, the uh, Judge Cal saga, where an evil chief mm-hmm. judge came to power. But then he was killed in a more recent um, in the run up to a more recent epic during Block Mania, where the whole city was driven mad. He was killed by the evil Sov Sit agent Orlock. That son yeah. of a bitch. Uh, Giant's a superb cadet, but needs some mental focusing. So Dredd's going to take him out on the street for a day. Kid suits up and they ride out. Turns, turns out watching his mother get murdered in front of him has built up a lot of pent up frustration. Also, now he's just like a super karate guy. Yeah. It's you pretty rad. teach these guys how to fight, Fox? Yeah. I mean, he's kicking the shit out of all the other Definitely. Cadets, so. As they go, Dredd reflects that Giant was one of his few friends, and he's shocked that he'd have an extrajudicial rela- liaison, and again, he, he recalls Giant's death. Mm. They, As they ride, Dredd questions, Dredd questions Giant about his desire to be a judge, and the cadet is pretty wishy-washy about it. They roll yeah. down the street, and while it looks peaceful, Dredd instantly identifies a potential perp. The two run him down and find that he's carrying visines, basically magazines with like snuff pictures, and people, you know, images of people getting tortured and like, stuff. Like, holy shit. Great. I mean, like, such a fucking opportune thing for this child to bear witness to. It's a tough you know? city, man. Uh, yeah. Dread makes uh, uh, G- Giant flip through some and then has a vivid recollection of trying to fight off the men that killed his mother. And Dread, perhaps seeing this reaction, says they'll follow up on this lead. Oh, hell yeah. 
Time to time to use that yeah. anger, kid. Cadet Giant remembers how his mother died and how he tried to defend her by cutting the arm and throwing a brick and a bald man with an upside-down V-scar on his chin. His mother was beaten mm. to death and Giant was inducted into the academy nine weeks later when he was found after several weeks of living rough on the streets. He's got a lot of anger and keeps it bottled up. Uh, they need to find a way to make him use that anger. Listen, they aren't, you know, they aren't... It, they aren't like down on him because he's angry. It's one to make sure. No, they're like yeah, that's great. To make sure ten out of uses ten. It right, not like beats up his own guys or whatever. Uh, Dreads interrogating the perp with the visines, but he refuses to talk. It's worth more than his life to tell him. And Dread understands and sentences him to mm. six years for each magazine that he had. He had five hundred, so three thousand years minimum. <laughs> Good they job, dose Judge. him with truth serum anyway, just to give get the answers no matter what he does, so live it up. Dredd would have sentenced him to death, and Dredd tries to explain to him that judges have to weigh the cost of a human life heavily and enforce the law as written. The information mm. comes in, the mags were made from B&B Sprint Print, and Dredd and Giant are off. As they get to the store, the owner of the place uh, overreacts about the Visines. Oh, this is horrible. Who could imagine? Oh, God. <laughs> and Dredd has Giant watch the shopkeep as he checks the back. The, the, the store <laughs> owner comes up from behind the counter with a gun as Giant looks on. I mean, he's ready to shoot oh, this yeah. man. <laughs> Listen, you, this guy learns the hard way. Dread braces the printer mm. as Giant draws down on the armed clerk. The clerk tries to pull some, like, you ain't got the guts type stuff. But then a shot goes uh, off as Dread springs move. into action. <laughs> he, yeah, just beats the shit out of everybody. Kicks the shit out of these perps, tosses one into the presses. Giant shot the clerk right through the forehead. And he had to, you know, he's going to shoot him instead. And yeah, Dread exactly. appreciates the accuracy and calls it in. The... Tech judges on the scene say the Giants got some sand for doing that right on the button. And Dread orders the perps questioned and then goes to talk to Giant, who's slightly freaking out over having killed someone. Yeah, Dread says it's probably better to be freaking out than to feel good about murder or, I guess, killing. Yep. And and says, of course, that, that, that that kind of violence should be a last resort. He tries to make a point with the visine, but Giant just sees someone in the pages, a man wearing a mask with a visible scar on his chin, an upside-down V, the <sighs> man who killed Giant's mother! Oh, yeah. Next, and now the plot thickens. Next episode, revenge is the best success. <laughs> <laughs> man, this is great. I love uh, this. this whole, like... This whole month of Judge Dredd, that was fantastic. Yeah, it was um, very much setting things up, both setting up or reestablishing the character of Kraken and bringing back this young giant character, or mm. I- introducing th- this young giant character, both of which will have important roles to play in the coming months. Um, it's, yeah, it's v- Man, that's very so important great. as we are on the road to Necropolis, and I'm super excited to see um, more both these characters, but but especially this one, just... um. It's, it's, I mean, I miss yeah, Giant. Yeah, d- does a great job of drawing Giant as oh, like this yeah. resentful, angry kid that still seems to have some idealism, which I think is really interesting. He really captures just the pure anger and yeah. <laughs> silent volcanic Absolutely. rage. Absolutely. And hey, speaking of volcanic rage, Fox. Oh, my God. Let's continue <laughs> on to Thrill 2 Zenith.
I mean, the guy throws a fucking yeah, airplane. Buddy. It was rad. <laughs> Script robot Grant Morrison, art robot Steve Yole, letting robot Gordon Robson as kid. Zenith, a rare superhero story here in 2000 AD, one of the only ones, and a black and white story. Early days for this creative team. In about a year, they'll go on to do some early issues of The Invisibles. And Grant Morrison will, of course, become a major name in U.S. comics um, for stories like Animal Man and Doom Patrol, among others. Right now, we're starting Mm. the second half of the third story or phase of Zenith. It's called War in Heaven. And it's basically a crisis on infinite Earth situation. But um, where superheroes and comic characters from all over the multiverse team up together to fight evil beings called the Loigor with two L's, um, which are extra dimensional things with extreme power that inhabit super people and want to control the universe. I should say all the um, most of these characters are also based on classic British comics characters. And I will try to oh, decode those as we go. Okay. Um, is one of them Chester yeah, Cheeto? Yeah, no, we've talked about a bunch of these guys already, Fox. Like, yeah, um, the cat guy is based on a character called the Leopard from Lime Street. That guy, mm. Big Ben, is based on a Daster Dan. Or what's that guy? You know what I'm talking about. From a British, yeah. you know, very vi- vi- various British comics. Blip, 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 yeah, blip, Desperate blip, blip. Dan. That's what I'm thinking of. Ah. Anyway. Oh uh, yeah, so as we start this story, superheroes are carrying out a plan to destroy two alternate realities completely that, that, that have been lost to the Loigor in hopes of disrupting the pan-dimensional uh, alignment that they call the Omnihedron. Our main character in this is Zenith, a British superhero from a world not unlike ours, in his early 20s, who's a spoiled pop star brat that's a huge jerk all the time. Um <laughs> <laughs> yep. There's a lot going much. on here. It might be better just to check in on our episodes 201 to 203, wh- where we sort of talk about the mm. earlier part, because this is part two of a of, of a story, basically. So, in alternative in alternative reality 666 on March 12th, 1989, we see humans caught behind barbed wire at a death camp located in a fun fair. As the Loigor-possessed superhero Miss Wonderstar is attacked by a coalition of heroes sent to take her out, including our buddy Zenith. Two attackers are Oakman and Blue Wizard. Uh, Oakman... Which, uh, Oakman gets blasted by Wonderstar's eyes and Wizard helps him out. They're both based on Fantastic Four ripoff from IPC in the late late 70s called The Amazing Three. Man, I, I love how he turns the fire, or she turns the fire into yeah, butterflies. That totally. was pretty rad. Wonderstar tries to escape through amusement park tunnels through a demon dentist's office where she's oh, man. Uh, spooked by robot hero Acid Archie, and, <laughs> which is Fox's favorite, loves that EDM, or whatever the oh, 1989 yeah. version of EDM is for Acid House music. And her head is ripped off by Lux, a hero from Zenith's world that used to look like Jim Morrison, but now is a very 1989 beard, ponytail, sunglasses kind of look. Um, yeah. And uh, man, oh man, that glitch on ripping her head good off. Good times. That was yeah. a real... Uh, so one lawyer down and Lux uh, dismisses any complaints about his brutality and any attempts to free the captured normals. It doesn't matter. We're literally here to destroy this planet and asks which way to London. 
Oh uh, my god. We arri- <laughs> oh, he he may be my favorite character in this. Very matter of fact. We arrive in London as the heroes reflect on the Loigor's path of destructions. Uh Loyal's high contrast black and white inks do a, a good job of sort of a leading over mm. what must be the horror of it all. Like we see text boxes yeah. about hundreds being crucified like in Spartacus, but we just only see some cars overturn on the highway. Then images of St. Paul's Cathedral in London and Big Ben with the roof uh, uh, blown off. And then a couple dead Which, bodies damn. in a tube station. Yeah, bad times. The heroes are, are, are meeting with the superhero resistance from Alternative 666 as robot EDM fan Acid, Acid Archie carries in Tommy <laughs> Trident, a local uh, hero we saw get injured in part one. The locals are, re- yeah, uh, and he really like pats himself on the back with that one. He's like, "I carried him the whole way. I'm a very important." Hey, robot. Archie just pick, picking up for himself. It's a big group session, you know. If you don't say stuff, you could be yeah. lost in the shuffle. Uh, exactly. The locals are reunited with their leader, Big Ben, based on Desperate Dan, like I said, and he's incredible. He feels incredibly guilty about how hard everyone's been done since he's left. Zenith catches Ben taking pills yeah. and asks if they're if they're primrose oil, which is often taken for PMS or menopause uh, uh, symptoms. So this is a real big big Man. asshole burn here. And Bennett, <laughs> he just keeps digging into this poor fucking yeah. dude. Ben admits they're antidepressants, and Zenith keeps on with his snaps, fucks. Um, yeah, Lux, ex- such yeah, a Lux explains they have a chaos structure bomb which will completely destroy the world and everything in it the locals are not stoked about all this but there's not a lot of time <laughs> to talk about it as the other two Loigor, uh, Mr. Y and Jack Flash are there to kick some ass oh my god turns out uh he like the way that they describe the the three people that they took over were people who could just wrestle a goddamn mountain. Yeah. Like that's how strong these these characters are that they're about yeah, they to fight. Yeah, they definitely found the three and, toughest oh boy. heroes in this world of superheroes, and and then, and then possess them and add their sort of Cthulhu esque powers to them to on, on top of that. Ugh. So super fight time. <laughs> Man, super death yeah. time. Like, just people just start totally. dying. Jack Flash tries to, uh, or menaces Black Claw, who shoots his electricity, his, his, sorry, his claw electricity into him. Meanwhile, everybody else runs through the tube tunnel, tunnels Zenith clearing so buses that were blocking the way. Meanwhile, Jack rips off Claw's hands, but other heroes are there. Blue Wizard traps Jack in boulders while another hero punches him into the face of Big Ben and then throws the hour hand at him, impaling him. Also awesome. Mr. Y is threatening the supers in the tunnel and finds Zenith, and he knows him because apparently the Loigor in Mr. Y is Ioxotot, Eater of Souls, the character that Zenith fought in phase one of his stories that also possessed Nazi superhero, or I guess super character, Master Man, (laughs) super being Master Man in Zenith phase one. Yeah, who is not always a Nazi depending on the particular world number. I mean, Master Man was always a Nazi, but but Maxi Man, his British equivalent isn't. Oh, Maxi Man, right, the... (laughs) The British yeah. equivalent. God, I, I get them An confused. An alternative Maxi Man is sort of the one organizing this whole plan to destroy these realities mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Uh, Master Man's the Nazi one. And I, again, feel bad. Don't want to call any kind of Nazi guy a superhero instead of a super being because Jesus Christ. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah. uh, both Loigar are still alive and this whole plan's going to hell. The supers keep running onto St. James Station and we'll figure it out from there. 
Man, I uh, I love the name Mister Y. It's good. <laughs> I think I I know Ugh. he's based on another. I, I think he's based on like Mister. He, he's based on another British guy. You know, all these guys are based on 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 British characters. Mister Y is based on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Mr. Y is based on a character called Mr. X from uh, ah. DC Thompson Comics, who also periodically had that- a superhero suit, like or not like this, but but like a masked one and stuff. I love that uh, that what's her face just smashes him in the helmet and then just gl- he's screaming about how glass are in it there is just now in his yeah. eyes. Good times. Um. So back on the surface, the heroes are running for safety when spring jock with a pair of rocket boots runs to get something. Oh, my God. But is tagged by Mr. Y and the mad, mad kills jock's dog. Ooh, he's evil. Yeah. And then just throws a Weedabix truck yeah, on top Joe of go- him. Jock goes to comfort the pooch and Jack Flash drops a Weedabix on top of him. A butterfingers. Big Ben sees all oh, this God. and runs to a nearby crashed jumbo <sighs> jet and throws it straight at the Loigor. F- fucking it awesome. Is, yeah, just he throws it overhead. It's pretty cool. Can't believe how evil these jerks are and we got to run. Things are bad. You can't take much more casualties without impacting the war to come. Luck prepare- Lux prepares to activate the bomb, but what he does, it seems that the timer mechanism is broken. Someone will have to stay behind Shit. and activate it, sacrificing themselves. Oh, no, says Zenith. <laughs> of course, somebody has to do a self-sacrifice. Man, Zenith is yeah. so good. Next time on Zenith, countdown. I do particularly love that effectively Zenith is like a backseat character for most of this. I mean, like I said, with Archie, um, you know, talking about about carrying uh, carrying one of the guys back to uh, to the to the tube station to kind of get in the comic. Yeah, like like Zenith is very much a, a, a face in the crowd of his own adventure here. You know, he sort of clears the way of this tube, but otherwise hasn't really done that much in the course of this uh, story. Like Not just, really. Yeah, he's he's cleared one wreckage and then just spent a lot of time being a real asshole to the rest of the team. <laughs> it's like I I kind of like the the way that they're taking it uh, so far. It's been fucking horrific, oh, man. Yeah. Like just barely people you know, and they're just like, oh, I'm gonna rip off your arm, and this is just one planet out of many yeah they really right? do do a good job of making these loigor just be really powerful and really callous about humans you know they don't care they're just yeah. sort of play things to be destroyed when they feel like it it's yeah, pretty good. rad in terms of story i mean not not mercilessly killing people. i know what you meant fox i know you love killing people and speaking i mean speaking of of folks who love murder fox <laughs> kill, kill, kill. Three rogue trooper. How is that a chant? What? Joy, <laughs> like, joy, joy. thing that we like to kill, say. Kill, kill, kill. I think it's fine. I mean, I'm just saying, like, you know, it could it could have been like something all a bit more catchy, but it's like, nah, man, we're just gonna stick with what get, you know. Kill, they kill, get kill. To the point, you know. Uh, script robot for Rogue Trooper Ugh. Dave Gibbons, art robot Will Simpson, learning robot Bambos Georgiou. Man, there is something about necks in this uh, 
in this artist's life. He loves himself yeah, a neck. Interesting kind of situation here is Dave Gibbons is better known as a comics artist, especially with writer Alan Moore. They teamed up for both the Superman story for the man who who has everything and Watchmen. You know, some people have heard of that one. Um, yeah. I mean, I've read it. I, you know, <laughs> really not... Uh, not all that impressive, mm. am I right? No, yeah, no, uh, no big budget uh, premium cable shows for for that one. Uh, he was also an early artist for 2000 <laughs> AD. He drew Harlem Heroes and Dan Dare, and he served Fuck as yeah. the superhero style Tharg Big E for 2080 spinoff Tornado. Oh. He was also Oof. the f- artist for the first Rogue Trooper story, along with writer Jerry Finley Day. <laughs> Meanwhile... Artist Will Simpson has done a lot of work both in 2000 AD and stuff like um, um, Hellblazer, but you might know him, him more for his work as a storyboard and concept artist for Game of Thrones, where he designed the White Walkers, among other things. Oh, yeah. really? Did yeah, he designed. He, he did a lot of concept art for, for, for Game of Thrones, including the White Walkers Man, that's and really a lot of cool. the weapons for the show as well. He designed a lot of those. Well, that's yeah, neat. You know, all these people end up in different places, like, you know, and a lot of these Brits end up doing Brit-adjacent things, I think, which is how you sort of... <laughs> okay. I don't know. <laughs> Brit-adjacent things. Well, it's like, things. okay, like, th- this is an aside, and I apologize, but um, I remember when, especially when, like, The Force Awakens came out. And people mm-hmm. were, and they were like, "Oh, look at like all these New Order guys. A lot of them are also uh, like minor characters on Game of Thrones." And it was like, "Oh, look at all these little cameos and Easter eggs." And I thought, I was like, and I always felt like, "Oh, these are less Easter eggs and more just like all the actors in their early twenties that have English accents just sort of get the same jobs over and over again, <laughs> you know? Like you just sort of hire them in job lots, so they end up being in a lot of these things." Over and over oh, again. That's pretty you know, good. So it's it's not it's 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 less a less a a wink to the camera that this guy working on a control panel. Oh, I was also I also had five lines in in season three of Game of Thrones. <laughs> it's not like a wink. It's more just like all right, like you're like blonde and have an English accent. Get in there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. That's fantastic. <laughs> sorry, that's no, that that's good. how I assume it works. I don't know. I I, I could be wrong. But um, anyway, um, this is a reboot thrill, Fox, the first of its kind in 2080. For the last Uh. eight or so years, we follow these adventures of genetically engineered blue-skinned infantryman Rogue and his buddies who've um, been – and his buddies whose souls had been preserved in biochips and planted into his war gear through the poison wasteland of a planet called New Earth and beyond. But – after getting tired of all that, we're starting fresh with a new genetic infantryman and a whole new story. Sure. This one's called The War Machine. And Interesting. Yeah, it, it, it's a concept, I guess. And before we start, I got to say that Will Simpson's really doing some beautiful painted art here. Oh, in full yeah. color. Oh, uh, yeah. Rogue Trooper appears in the center pages in, in, in 650 and then at the start of the prog. And it really does a good job of, of combining jagged inset panels that gives this whole like, especially once they land on the planet, a very a, a feel of like of of like the delirium of combat and shock. It draws you into the battlefield as a story. Yeah, it, it draws you into the battlefield that this story centers on. Amazing stuff. It's very gorgeous. Also, fucking love this commander's pants oh, yeah. and hat and it's mustache jobbers. there's so much that's right about <laughs> it so we start with a scientist in a bunny suit incubating and or uh 
Sorry, uh, in, uh, fertilizing an embryo as it's and it seems to work out, but it's right as the shift ends on a Friday. Which honestly, Fox, I first read this story like five years ago, and I just realized that this is why uh, the character Friday gets his name because uh, his, his cloning was completed right at the end of the day. So this guy probably had to stay late to like sort of finalize the cloning process and stuff. He was like, "Oh man, I just want to." <laughs> you know, had a very Conrad moment where he's like, oh, man, I just want to get my Friday chicken nuggets and go home. But no, to right keep, to come back in, do whatever. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, unacceptable. Um, so years later, or I don't know, maybe years later, a, a time later, we see row after row of Alpha <laughs> Company first genetic infantry reporting for duty. An officer type, as you said, with re- a ridiculous uniform and like a, a, a mustache as wide as the shoulders, um, <laughs> like gives a big speech about like how they should fight the last drop of blood, blah, blah, blah. As Trooper 19 thinks that this isn't needed. They're, you know, meant to fight. Afterwards, they march out chanting their battle cry. GIs, GIs, kill, kill, kill. <laughs> They're loaded into drop pods. Really yeah, to the they're, point. They're loaded into drop pods as 19 repeats their creed, obey orders, fight hard, die well. They're launched as Friday re- remembers his youth and training with his buddies, Eight Ball, Lucky, and Top. Soon they hit their mm. they hit the planet. Their mission is to take Hill 392 and hold until relieved. They make planet fall, spread out a bit, and start killing their way through. Uh, 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 651, I have like very little recap because it's just Foyton the whole time. Uh, it's, uh, but that's kind of, it's yeah, the best. It that It's like such a beautiful painterly kind of look yeah, to it. It's you truly know? amazing. The whole story is just a, a mass of like reds and purples and browns sort of re, re, um, depicting this um, planet and the world. And then the bright blue skin of Friday and his chums as they sort of keep going on. It's really great. Great use mm. of contrasts and just like the way the panels are set up also really like make it feel like, you know, it's – Action yeah, it's, based, it's yeah. like in a war. It, it's like in a modern war movie where they bring in like the handheld camera, and it's sort of hard to track what's exactly happening. You, you kind of get like individual mm. images and things like that. It's what comic books do best, in my opinion, is what they're Doesn't, doing here. They're employing their imagery and their art, and like uh, just enough text to really like set the rest yeah. of it in. Rogue moves to the front of the prog as Friday and his chums fight their way to Hill 392. They move past snipers and through razor wire over smart mines and booby traps and at last into the Fuck. real fighting. In a massive full page of color or a full color page of gore and explosions they fight through and at last take the hill. They call into... I, yeah. I love... I love that they they bear they did the whole fucking like uh, they kept the joke going with like the burying themselves oh, under that's under next the ground. I- that's next issue. Yeah. Oh right, 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 yeah, right. They call into high side. They've lost forty percent of the force, and now comes the hard part. They've taken the hill. Now they must hold it. So they're holding the hill. GIs don't sleep. They also aren't getting much communication from high side despite their 40% casualties. Suddenly a plane flies overhead, dropping bombs on their emplacement. The GIs Fuck. get in place, dig in, and start opening fire on an attacking enemy. And like you said, yeah, they use this old – this co- constant trick in the previous Rogue Trooper <laughs> where Rogue <laughs> seemed to be able to instantly bury himself whenever he needed to and then pop back up and get a jump oh. and, and get a drop on the enemy. 
Just love that that's yeah, still they, a thing. The, uh, these new GIs are doing that now. They fight and kill the invaders, but lose still more soldiers. Friday jumps on a grenade with his helmet to block his explosion, an explosion at one point, which is pretty sweet. Um, on the body of a dead fighter, Friday finds some photos from home, but Top rips them up. That's human business. Top roll. Top calls yep. in. They're at 60% casualties now. And as he does, he gets tagged by a sniper and lies in the dirt. No. His gut is hanging out. Oh, it's real yeah. gross. Top is... He is in half. It's bad. <laughs> Top is dying and notices that Friday's helmet is wrecked from that grenade. So he hands his over. Here we go. Friday... Uh, God. It took me a moment. Uh, it wasn't until he got the gun mm. later. Spoilers. Uh, that I was just like, uh, yeah, oh, uh. but also that's kind of they're doing the whole Danny Franks thing, like kind of assimilating, assimilating the dead. Yeah, you I know, mean, he gets yeah. Friday like wears it. the command helmet and um, as the GIs keep fighting, but yeah, it's it's a little different than the original Rogue Trooper because he also got biochips that had his buddies like uh, personalities mm-hmm. in there as well. And this is not happening; he's just getting their war gear. There's more sort of mementos of of, of his buddies, yeah, exactly. Than actual per, you know, like uh, characterizations of them. Um, the enemy, um, another enemy has entered the fray now. A bunch of scary war droids. Friday is, is given orders. Yeah, Spiders. as the as they uh, cut into these uh, war spiders and rip out the men piloting the p- piloting them <laughs> out of their cockpits and blast them to scrap. Oof. In the dark, Friday finds his buddy Eight Ball, who's had his eyes fried by a war robot lasers. Uh, He's completely blind, and he hands over his rifle, the best one ever made, and crawls off to die. Fucking a. Well, and he's like, I've still got these. Take some enemy with me, yeah. Friday. Like he's he's just got some brass knuckles on. I'm like Jesus. fight his way out. The enemy's getting close now, and presumably Friday's moments away from getting a new backpack as well. But we won't find out for a little <laughs> bit as this is the end of Rogue Trooper Part One. The box at the bottom says it'll be back mm. in Prog Six Six Three, but actually won't be back until Prog Six Six Seven in February of next year. Originally, Whoa. this yeah, originally right. this story was supposed to ru- to be a fourteen part continuous series, but instead it's it's it's, it's going to be chopped into three parts, which I think really kills a lot of its no. momentum. Honestly, god damn it, because this is looking great. I actually like it uh, as, as I say this every time with Rogue, <laughs> though. But I mean, it, it's starting really fucking yeah, well. I mean, I I remember really being in 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 intrigued by this new Rogue Trooper and being bummed and like the, you know the fact that you've got to wait like three or four months to kind of get back to it, and then there's another gap after that. Really does sort of keep it from from being what it was. You know, mo- momentum is very can be very important for these um, anthology comics. You know, just sort of the cresting mm. wave of tension and stuff and then just have it cut up like that can be a real killer. It really, um, that makes me so sad because I'm, I'm loving this art. Yeah, no, you know? Will Simpson's great for sure. And speaking of killing momentum, Fox. Oh yeah. Okay. Let's talk good. about non thrills, covers and nerve setters. This is, no, the part usually in the middle of the show where we talk about the, uh, the the covers of each issue, go over the editorial that's at the start of each issue, and then sort of just cover all the other non-thrill, non-story sections of, of the comic. Um, can be like ads or something else that might might catch our eye, I think, or uh, uh, pinups as well, or a big one, stuff like that. So, Prog 650. John Higgins draws a lovely pastel dread shooting somebody through the head. 
This one has an extra God, long, yeah, beautiful. extra long logo card here. Naming all the thrills within, and in this case, and more is Zenith. Poor old Zenith. <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of. It's like the fact that it's not on there. It's really I mean, troublesome. Just that it's the fifth one, you know, it's kind of a bummer. The nerves. I guess it's not in, in color, right? Like where it's it's really shown up all the things that are going to be in color. I mean, I it's, yeah, it, it lists the three color stories and the new thrill, the dead man. So it might be, you know. Mm. Oh, interesting. And then they they want to yeah. tease that there's more, even though it's one more thrill. I think it's just like they just kind of want to say like, hey, like you know, buy this comic, goddammit. Um, <laughs> in the nerve center, which is like Tharg's um, editorial that, that he writes every prog. Um, mm. He introduces the prog here, just, just full on, like uh, no letters page or anything this time, just short recaps of all the thrills within, plus mentions of the prizes to be won for sending in fan mail and fan art. No tracing. Everybody gets a classic <clears throat> binder, a TCV. It's called throw containment vessel to hold their progs in. There's also a list of coming attractions, including a reboot of Harlem Heroes, more Bradley, more Chopper, the return of Universal Soldier, and new thrills like Hooligan's Haircut, Time Flies, and Armored Gideon. We'll get to all of these. Pretty much all of them cool. in 1990, our next prog year, but oh. some not till the fall. I will say Chopper's coming pretty soon, though. Oh, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, of the ones listed, I'm hyped for like four out of seven of these, Fox. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a rundown of Tharg's powers and some Beetlejuicean phrases and honors. Um, including stuff or honors to be won, I should say, like Squawk's Dex Thargo, which is someone who reads 2080 regularly, a Deca Thargo, someone who's been reading 2080 since the start, and Krill Trothargos, someone who's done some sort of uh, important worker action in the name of promoting thrill mm. power. Hmm. Mid-Prog, there's an ad for the Commodore Christmas show, which seems to be some kind of oh, video God. game convention where you can buy video games and stuff at the Novotel Hotel in Hammersmith <laughs> so you can avoid Santa Claus. Yeah. Real it's good. Fun. It's Neat. fine. It's just sort, sort, sort of this idea of like, oh, man, like they're having a trade show to sell video games at. It's kind of an interesting concept, I guess, in our 20, 20 years. Um <laughs> also, I want to say a, a lot of our re- like the scans of the uh, of, of recent comics we read haven't had ads in them, but now they're back starting in 650 and I'm ultra stoked. I love classic ads. They're a real window into uh the mm. into the past of England, you know. The- <laughs> Apparently a very creepy Santa Claus. Yeah, you got uh, big old claws, buddy. Is Hence what the we name. Need. Yeah. Uh, the prog ends with several more ads. First for a mature 2080 spinoff comic Crisis, and for 2080 itself, and the Just Comics mail order service, then a full color ad for volume one of Slain the Horn God, now available. Hell that yeah. That thing is selling like hotcakes, and is part of the reason why there's suddenly more, so much color in the comic, is to sort of, they're sort of realizing yeah. that, 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 that that can sell comics, just to have some more color in here. Proc 651, another bright painted color, this time depicting Dread, Cadet Giant, and Judge Giant's bloody badge, Revenge, by Carlos Sascara. <laughs> Dial R for Revenge. Absolutely. In the nerve center, Thark hopes we're enjoying these new progs and suggests a strict color, mono, color, mono, color reading order so you don't get over, so you don't blow out your thrill circuits, basically. <laughs> 
I mean, you could just give provide us with all color to have like a consistent thrill. Nah, no, we're still about a right. ye- I want to say a year and a half or so away from that. I think, and okay. even then, to this day, there'll still be black and white thrills periodically in uh, 2000 AD. Um, there's okay. fan art pictures of Judge Ucko and Tharg the cartoon. Um, and letters complain about Strong Team Dog's recent music choices, a reference to a pseudonym in the sci-fi special, a misremembering of di- of the comic Disaster 1990 from the early days of 2018. <laughs> the Vogues won't invade until 1999, buddy. 1990 is when a massive flood swamps the Northern Hemisphere. Okay, jeez, yeah, get dang it, right? And the f- and he was and and the boat was called the duck, not the goose. No, no, no. Yeah, he f- he drove around in the duck, which is a World War II amphibious vehicle. But then he he went to Oxford, where he was attacked <laughs> by a professor that could control the birds and had to kill he, with yeah, a flute. He, oh yeah, he used a flute. Absolutely, he had a swan standing on his shoulder, which seems impractical. <laughs> and Bill Savage killed several geese with the bandolier of his shotgun, which is pretty awesome. Just whipping geese. Anyway. (laughs) I I just love any time we can bring that up. And and the final final letter is a joke letter that's unfinished. Uh, Besides the next time ads at the end of the prog, there's also an ad for the Mission Earth novels by L. Ron Hubbard. And this sent me down a rabbit hole learning about a a 10-book, 1.2 million word sci-fi series that was released over the course of two years and all but one after Hubbard's death. Seems like it's got a lot of social commentary, but not, but apparently isn't actually actually full Scientology propaganda. It uh, just had its numbers inflated by selling Scientology purchases. Anyway, <laughs> this uh, ad feature okay. uh, this ad features book number four in the series, an alien affair, and the prog ends with a star scan or pinup, uh, basically a full page, full color piece of art of Dread standing in front of Mega City One with a big Dread in the moon drawn by David Hine. And this is his first work in the prog, <laughs> though he had art in an early annual and has done a fair amount in Crisis, and he'll start appearing in the prog proper in 1991. All right. <laughs> prog 652, buddy. Jesus. John Ridgway draws the dead man walking through the wastes covered in burnt clothes. Very spooky. Ooh. So into yeah, this comic. Yeah, Dark says it's easy being editor when the, when the thrills are all so good. There's pictures of Johnny Omega, the star of popular thriller Strontium Dog, in for some real trouble. Usually Johnny Alpha, but now he's like rough, so it's Johnny Omega. Um, and a, a, a Lord Weird, weird Slout th- uh, Throg, the baddie and slain made Beetlejuicean in what is obviously a trace with some Tharg elements added in. Yeah. Letters congratulate Tharg on going green so early because of his skin. Ah, ah, ah. Um, uh, there's questions about side judge Cassandra Anderson not wearing a helmet while on a motorcycle, which is a bad influence on the kids. And it seems someone has made true. a model of previous um, st- uh, phase of Zenith enemy uh, Warhead, though I think this might be a repurposed yeah. Robotech model or something, some kind of Gundam or whatever. Yeah. Feels like it. Mid-Prog, there's a pretty sweet, extremely busy ad for the Amstrad CPC 6128 uh, color personal computer. Oh my god! A, there is so much going on with yeah, this it's ad. A big PC brand of the day, complete with uh, with, with like built-in color monitor and stuff. Um, on the inside back cover, there's an ad for Judge Red Crime Files Four, which is sort of a best of album, and for the Albion Literature Distribution of Advanced Comics, an American Comics distributor and price guide. 
the prog ends with the first in a series of art files, also pinups, by master artist Massimo Bellardinelli detailing his work in 2080. I really like this, actually. Man. It's just a chance to see this master artist like, sort of redo some of his classic work from over the years. He's Definitely, so great. Yeah, I kind of take – actually, in a previous episode, I said that uh, – Bellardelli had been kind of done roughly by uh, management, but this definitely s- says otherwise. If just a chance to maybe earn some paychecks, doing some slightly easier pinup work instead of um, in-depth thrill mm. work. Um, this time, it's Judge Dredd blasting a bunch of weird cyborgs, dudes. It's got yeah, it's got yeah. a date on it, April sixteenth, nineteen seventy-seven, which is the only time Bellardelli drew Dredd in the Prox's. None oh, of these wow. guys appeared in that story, though, because that was the story <laughs> where car thieves forced Dredd to take his helmet off, and it was uh, censored because of the sickening scars that were underneath. Oh, my God. Next, finally, Prog 653, um, Mr. Y attacks. Why? Find out yeah. in this Steve, Steve Yoke co- uh, cover. It's real yeah, good. Real, real scary. A lot of black as Mr. Y sort of spreads out. And the mm. Nerf Center Tharg mentions the first Slain collection and the upcoming winter special, which we'll talk about right before the end of our coverage of this year. We've got a special guest for that one I'm very excited about. Yeah. Tharg also teases the return of Chopper next Prague. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. There's pictures of Judge Clint Eastwood and a Judge uh, Charlie Brown. Letters ask for a Dread Batman team Good up, grud. which will come eventually. Another worries that her mom is becoming a thrill sucker, and a third begs Oof. to have her letter published. Uh, Mid Prague okay. Forbidden Planet wishes us a dreadful Christmas with new comic albums and T-shirts. Hey. Pretty cool. Next, there's an ad for a Sinclair computer, which has a built-in light gun, among other profession uh, peripherals. We're really starting to see these personal computers just kind of become cut-rate video game consoles here. Fox Gaunt. I mean, the, the, the ZX Spectrum was a yeah. thing, man. Gone are the days when they'd have actual, like, uh, uh, pro, like uh, go-to 10 programs in the pages of 2000 AD for people mm. to make their own. Later, there's kind of an odd ad for Prog 650, which we've, you know, because we've already seen 650, it's weird to have it for there. And for LCD games that slot into a oh, giant projector, right. which is pretty cool. The prog ends with an official signing of the slain graphic novel at a place called the uh, called Mega City in London, and Bellardinelli um, does an art file for Inferno, the ridiculous future sport Fuck comic yes. combining motorcycles, jetpacks, and a dude who is just a brain in some kind of robot suit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was so wonderful! So, yeah, we were just talking about this guy recently, but yeah, it's awesome. Just brain, brain in a robot suit, walking around. Oh. Yeah, why? I mean, look, man, it's way more of an upgrade from Brain in the Jar. Definite upgrade for Brain in the Jar. I mean, honestly, come on. Get that jar able to walk around and play a sport. Um, mm-hmm. And speaking of people who have undergone some serious accidents, Fox. Oh, like, my God. <laughs> like Lewis Mayer and Harlem Heroes, who was reduced to just a brain. Let's talk about Thrill for the Dead Man. Script robot Keith Ripley, art robot John Ridgway, letting robot Jack Potter. The story, man, I like this story. Yeah, it's a fun. Lot. It's the story with this with the smallest pedigree or backstory on our <laughs> list box. Dead Man is a new thrill set in the cursed Earth, like the mutated wastes outside of Mega City One. Mm. We've seen Dread venture out here a few times, but it's just mostly wasteland full of full of mutants and weirdos, as we'll see. 
Uh, John Ridgway is a great artist who's worked in British, who's worked mostly in British comics, like 2000 AD and a lot of Doctor Who stuff. At this point, I think we know him best for controversial coming of age story, Summer Magic. Oh, ooh, this is boy. Keith Ripley's only work in 2000 AD, but it's pretty good stuff. Out. I, I could do without the, uh, you know, the kind of dialect that they're choosing for a particular uh, character, know. but. Yeah. Uh, out in the mazes of a cursed earth, a boy, his dog, and their country co- prospector friend search the rocks for a lizard <laughs> as the boy, Yasapovi, uh, 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 Puvi, I want to say, narrates that yeah. uh, this was where he found the dead man. Yasa dives to the lizard, but instead finds the cracked and burned skin of a man covered head to toe in, like, you know, in, yeah, sorry. He finds the cracked skin of a man covered head to toe in burns. That's what I want to say. Um, he is, of course, luckily still wearing incredible Hulk-style ripped-up pants to hide his shame. Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't want to look at what that thing looks yeah. like now. Yasa is is scared when he finds the dead man, and we see John Ridgway really earning his keep here with what he does best, which is the f- the faces of terrified children. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yasa borrows his friend Fuzzy's stick and pokes the man, and he wakes up. His irises are square, Ooh. and it seems he's got no lips, but instead just big old naked teeth. The man reaches for Yasa, but the boys and their dog run off instead, returning with a mess of folks. Half the town is there, it seems. They diagnose the dead man as having been burned pretty severely. They seem to be nice people generally. They offer him water and drag him back to town, uh, though there is some objections along the way. I mean, of a very particular uh, person believing to just like... Oh, God, this yeah, guy near yeah, the end of this let's thing. Let's get to Larkin next uh, in our next prog here. Um, they load him onto a tractor as Yasa prays the dead man is okay, never dreaming of the evil he would bring down on them all. Oh, foreshadowing. Yeah. Yasa starts the next prog saying he remembers the terror. Lots of foreshadowing in the early days of this thr- of this thrill. Just at the start and the end mm. of each e- of these episode, it seems. <laughs> the dead man is ba- is bandaged at the Poobie's farm, or in, in the Poobie's hut, I should say, as the town looks on mm. and judges his scars. They see bullet holes as well as burns among them. And Mr. Larkin is pissed about it as Yas- Yas's mom kicks him out. Larkin, <laughs> Larkin walks into the night screaming, Doom! He will be our doom! <laughs> as you do. Also, like, you know... Shout out to uh, interracial married yeah, couple. Yeah, that's nice. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yas is an, an African American character. Yeah, his wife, his his mom seems to be black, and his uh, dad is white, or I don't know, African cursed Earthican. I don't know, something like that. Yeah, yeah. fair amount of representation actually in, in, in most of these progs because Giants African American as well. So it's sort of an interesting mm-hmm. thing. Um, but so that night, the dead man talks in his sleep. I know you, servants of evil. What devilment is afoot? As Yasa's dog growls and freaks out about something outside their house, I guess. It seems to be a, it seems to just be a dream, though, as Yasa wakes up alone with a terrible shadowy presence in his room, turning his blood to ice. But then it's gone. It Oof. seems the whole family was woken up by this Jeez. presence. And maybe someday the dead man can tell us what's up. 
Mm. And it screamed. Yeah. And apparently. Two days later, the dead man's fever breaks and he comes back to the land of the living, eating soup and asking where he is. The poobies ask about him, but he doesn't know. He's got amnesia. Oh, nah. He's not just dead. He's the forgetful Come man. cloud strife here, buddy. Um, oh, it's been topical. A, who, who knows when this episode comes out in like June, you know? Um, <laughs> out in the mazes of the cursed earth, a boy, his dog. Oh, no. Fuck. Missed it up. I'm starting all over again. Anyway, it's been another week, and while Yas is still scared, there's been no sign of that evil from earlier. Meanwhile, the dead man's doing way better. His wounds have healed a bit, and he's mostly regrown his lips. He removes his bandages, <laughs> but still doesn't remember who he is. He's got that amnesia. Ugh. Not not an easy life for an amnesiac here in the fucking totally. Meanwhile, Larry Larkins is in full-on picketing mode outside the movie's house about the evil within. <laughs> but the townsfolk are interested. What happened to you, bro? You talk weird. You might have been dumped in that there danger acid. But Ma just shoes him away and Yasa tries to reassure the dead man. He seems like a cool dude. When suddenly the dead man picks up a rifle and looks right down the barrel, he doesn't even know what it is. Oh, you ding dang. That's not what you do. You might shoot yeah. somebody with that. But he also once again assures the dead man that he must be good because his dog likes him. And it seems his dog is some sort of super smart mutant dog, which is the best breed to get. Hey, It's like a, a less dumb totally. lassie. Burn on Lassie. The next day, Yasa uh, don't like Yasa it. and the dead man go to investigate where the dead man was found, and it seems Dog has picked up some kind of trail. They follow it. <laughs> I do like that the dog's name you is know, Dog. You know, there's only one. You don't got to differentiate. They, <laughs> they follow it into a ravine where a bunch of grunts, mutated neo-Neanderthals by the look at them, start throwing boulders at our boys. Oh, God, we got to do something about this. That's the grunts. They're weird mutant cannibals. They're throwing rocks. Dog rushes to save Yasa. Meanwhile, the dead man gets his hands on Yasa's rifle and prepares to kill Mm. all these grunts with goddamn headshots like a badass, even taking taking out one that was using (laughs) Yasa like a shield. Shoot it in the foot, then you shoot it in the head. (laughs) He's killed them all and proven to be a deft hand with a rifle, despite not knowing what one was last night. Hmm. Back in Bubble Town, which is the name of Yasa's home, and it seems like it's a village built on top of these like big circular rock domes, I guess. It's not really clear what, but it's an interesting kind of look. It's like... Bubble yeah. City, um, you know. Yasa explains all this that all this happens, and the town folks don't like it. They proves he's a killer, <laughs> and I'm starting to see signs. There's spooked animals. The rains are late. I've had bad dreams. Birds flying backwards, so forth. Bad stuff's coming, <laughs> and that there dead man's a causing it. Oh God. That night, a a chill wind blows through the town, and Yasa thinks it might be related to that darkness he felt still looking for the dead man. Next episode, Night of the Demon. Man, I'm going to put this out here. I'm sure I will likely be wrong, but is this an ex-chief judge of what what we know about? I know we saw Judge Magruder take the long walk. Not Magruder. Oh, no, because Magruder was the one yeah, who took the long walk, but all the, the other, other chief one judges was... Um, we, we've seen have been killed generally by dread or dread-adjacent people. <laughs> mm. So, yeah, Magruder was the only one. I thought uh, 
I thought the one of the first chief justices that we sort of had no, took the, the long the walk. The first well. chief judge was assassinated by Judge Cal. Judge Cal was taken That's out right. by uh, by Fergie, Judge Dredd's buddy. Mm. Uh, then Judge Griffin was killed by Dredd after he was brainwashed by the Sovs during the Apocalypse War. Oh, God, that's right. Uh, he was killed on live TV. Uh, ju- then Judge Magruder took the long walk and she was replaced by Judge Silver, who's the current chief judge. That's but we right. did see like okay. Judge Minty take the long walk, for instance. So true. it could be him maybe or someone else. Who knows? I mean, super tough. Tough as nails, dude, yeah. clearly. Can't oh, kill him. burns, able to shoot people in the face. It's good times. And that said, speaking of badasses, Fox. Oh, man. Speaking of, of, oh, of, of, of the mysteries of life. This is how you throw spears with your toes. And if someone narrating from the future, let's go oh. to <laughs> Thrill 5 Slaves. Oh, man, this this whole thing just it's such a great way to like end the the uh the episode yes. just cuz it's so fucking beautiful. Yeah, Slane's batting clean up for all this time. A uh, script robot Pat Mills, art robot Simon Bisley, lettering robot Steve Potter, often called the crown jewel of British comics. We've been we're about mm. to head in deep to Slane the Horn God part 2. Just so you know, Pat Mills is the godfather of uh, modern British comics. He was the creator and first editor of 2000 AD, and it's sadly canceled predecessor action. He wrote the definitive comic about World War I, Charlie's War, and the subversive superhero adventure Martial Law, which is currently being published in the U.S. in 89. Um, here in 2000 AD, he's usually working on either the fantasy slain here or ridiculous sci-fi epics like Nemesis, the Warlock, and the ABC Warriors. Hell yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, Simon Bisley is a massively influential uh, artist here in, in, in England. Uh, for in, in fact, he's influential for this very work that we're reading right now. <laughs> <laughs> he's also done work on stuff like Lobo, Hellblazer, and a ton of album covers. Yeah, you can definitely see the Lobo yeah, in this. Yeah, for sure. You got that, those eye markings. Uh, Slain is the story mm-hmm. of a Celtic barbarian in the time before the Great Flood. After years as a feckless adventurer, Slain, along with his sidekick, Ucko the Dwarf, has become uh, king of his tribe, the Cesare, and is currently on a quest to recover and reunite the four artifacts of the Earth Goddess in a move to stave off the coming Great Flood and hopefully restore the matriarchal government and religion that his people have set aside also kick out the evil Fomorian sea devils besetting the land. Oh, God. Haven't seen those guys in a while. I mean, I think we've heard reports of, like, battles against them and stuff, but yeah, they've been off screen for the most part. Mm -hmm. They're giant, slow-moving skull fortresses. That was pretty rad. They're shark men. It's good times. Um, Yeah. Right now, the story is being narrated by Ukko, who's far in the future. It's his memoirs, essentially. Previously, Slain tried to get King Rudrage to um, Rudrag to ally with him, so he get one of the treasures, the Silver Sword. <laughs> Greetings, friends. Since this episode was recorded, it's been brought to my attention that this character's name is actually pronounced Rory instead of Rudrag. I apologize, and we'll get it right in time for book three. I promise. <laughs> 
But after a good bit of a diplomacy, the evil sorceress Maeve, hiding in plain sight as Megrim, the wife of the former king in Slain's lands, have summoned the mm. demon Avigdu from the first of the treasures, the, Ca- the Cauldron of Plenty, to attack Rudreg. Oh, Rudreg lost his hand and his wife, Slain's ex-lover and baby mama Neve, blames Slain for the whole situation. It's a lot. You can see our coverage of part one of Slain, <laughs> the Horn God, in episodes 201 to 203. So... Jumping in, I should say all of Slain, all the Slain stories start with a black and white credit page, um, and this one yeah. has a recap of the story as well, and it's just sort of to maximize the color pages to not have to have the credit cards and stuff like that on there. Yeah, it's helpful also. Yeah, it just lets you know, especially in this first one, it's kind of bringing everybody up to speed. In the future, Ukko remembers, then in the past, he goes to Neve, who is in the midst of fashioning an Army of Darkness-style robot hand for Rudray. So great. She's just like, yeah, I'll just like tie his tendons to the finger thing so it'll still work. And I'm like, that sounds really painful. Well, and just would require a level of like metalworking that I don't think exists in this world at this time, technically speaking. (laughs) Like, it's got to be pretty springy, springy metal for a tendon to be able to really be able to work it like like as good as new. Um, But anyway... Uko tries to convince Neve that Slane's uh, that Slane is a good guy, and it seems she believes him. That he marvels at the cyber hand she's building, and there's some discussion <laughs> of dwarves' blood and the Gebolga, a Celtic spear that rips open the target when it's removed, also being developed by women. God, so ridiculous! <laughs> like it's funny. It's the ones these guys have is very different from the historical ones, which are just sort of like. I don't know. They kind of look like like a big like if you put a W on top of an M and then mm. made that a spearhead. Whereas these <laughs> ones look more like like um what do I want to say like a cattail or something, but made yeah. but like made of like downward facing spikes basically. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm sure it would have a very similar effect. I mean, I think it would work, but I don't think you. I feel like it, I don't think it, it could be balanced to be thrown in reality. No. These versions, well, certainly what, not between your large toe and whatever the one next to that large toe. Yeah, is. and that's exactly what Slade is showing to visit some visiting warriors. Just some secret spear moves here, including the toe throw, which After, he's done. Oh yeah, it's we've pretty, seen him kill a couple people move. with these with his throw. Apps, totally. Afterwards, Ukko tries to warn Slane about Maeve's evil plans, but Slane won't hear it. And these kinds of discussions can apparently only be held like in public, like in the middle of everybody hanging out. Um, which, and, and you know, honestly, which, his his kind of recounting of it makes a lot of sense to me. I guess, but like you know, he's Ukko is just trying to say that there's this evil sorceress, and Slane's like, I can't hear this. Get it, go away. I'm like I'm trying to save your life, buddy. <laughs> Ukko, in fact, has seemed to worked out most of the evil plan already that Megrim's actually Maeve and working for the Lord, evil Lord, Lord Weird Slaufeg. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, um, meanwhile, it seems the recent warm weather is making Slane's pet dragon, the Nooker, grow sluggish yeah, and weak. Yeah, Nooker. Yeah, but it's a bad time for these dragons. Slane decides yeah. to work the old boy, boy out by heading to Phineas, another of the Celtic states, to try to get hit to get the spear of the sun sworn to his side. The druid Cathbad tries to warm them off, saying that the empowered earth goddess is causing the heat to melt the ice and cause a great deluge. And man, the mm. earth goddess is kind of a bitch to be to be to be honest, bro. Stop trying to help her so much. <laughs> no one likes your new girlfriend slain. Stop trying to make her be part of our society. It definitely came off that way. <laughs> 
Like, I'm not watching another weekend of football with her sitting there being sour, bro. Like, we got to figure it out. Anyway. I mean, well, and my God, there's three different versions of her that we constantly have to deal with. And like, she says she'll betray us a lot. Like, that's like, that's how she says goodbye. Like, <laughs> see I'll you betray next, you one day. See you next time. I might be someone stabbing you in the back. Good times. Um, I mean, foreshadowing, I guess. Eh. The credits page has, so for the next prog, has a dude with a big old beard, sort of Alan Moore style. Slain ignores, eh. Slain just ignores Cathbad's advice and heads to Phineas <laughs> via dragon. And man, oh, this so art is great. sweet. Yeah, just this full page of a dragon flying over the countryside. Awesome. Yeah, and also, like, Cathbad is apparently just a giant, like, Acropolis. <laughs> yeah, it's a giant, like, fortress, basically. Oh, it's so rad. There, Slain feasts on turnips with King Gan. He's got a very cynical outlook on life and gets along with Slain pretty well, actually. There's some talk of cow stealing that really reminds me of the video game uh, King of Dragon Pass, which mm -mm. is basically a game built on cow stealing. Um, wow. <laughs> and talking to your council. Um, anyway... Slain offers, uh, says, there's like, listen, team up with me. I can offer you meat and glory, buddy. But Gan says, oh, yes, we're happy just to just eat bark and turnips. And everyone seems to agree oh, with him. Yeah. Gan doesn't want to fight, just wants to chill with his roots. And if anybody has a problem with that, they can take it up with him <laughs> and the spear of Lug, the thorn god, the, the sun god. Turns out, like, you want to fuck with me, I can just, like, use my magic spear that I can yell a word and it will definitely find its target. And then when I yell a different word, it immediately comes back to me. OP weapon for sure. Yeah, it's got voice commands like an iPhone. It's awesome. <laughs> so it only sometimes understands what you're trying to tell it. I mean, I feel like that's what the rest of this comic tells us. Yes, Vox, it does. <laughs> <laughs> The spear is super angry. They have to keep it dosed with poppy leaves so it doesn't fly off the handle and just kill everybody in the, in the, in the surrounding area. Want some blood to drink, dude. You can't just go not feeding it blood. This is a very Game of Thrones feel with the milk of the poppy and so forth. Mm. Top, top three drinks of Game of Thrones. Um, <laughs> and Slain notes the spear has a female face. Once again, talking about the ancient matriarchy stuff that underpins this whole story. Mm. Slain manages to get Gan on his side, though, with a bit, well, just by discussing what would happen if they get the four magic items assembled and how badass that would be. And con <laughs> to convince him of his sincerity, Slain shows Gan a contract, which basically says if Slain becomes high king over the Celts, then Gan will take over as king of Slain's tribe, the Cesare, so they'll be brothers with no king greater than the other. Damn. They drink blood. They drink each other's blood to seal the deal, oh, which is God. not good social distancing, Fox. And no, <laughs> just really not good in general. Not a good idea. And in the future, Ucko actually theorizes that since in Celt society, giving things away is a huge status symbol, giving away your whole tribe is like the ultimate one-upsmanship. <laughs> he just did it all to show off, buddy. I mean, I feel like he's not wrong. Druid Lady Nest says, that that's just a horrible lie. Like, that's ridiculous. Slain's a hero. But Uko sticks to his guns and Slain's an asshole. Pretty solid. <laughs> um, the next credit page is a sweet, orky kind of looking warrior. In the future, mm. Nest is trying to convince Uko that the way of the Horned God is to share power and be cool. But Uko is extremely skeptical of all this. <laughs> I mean... As you should be, I feel like. Yeah. Nest has some more notes here, mostly about PC 
brigade nomenclature about an upcoming villain basically about you got, you gotta invite a dragon ghost instead of summoning it and you probably shouldn't call it a ghost it's a whole different thing but Ucko manages to retain authorial control as the dragon ghost is summoned by the evil sorceress Maeve to attack God damn right. Gan thinks it's the Nooker and accuses Slain of treachery and attacks him Slain escapes this mm. attack in a fountain of blood hands and fingers which is pretty Awesome. Oh my god, it's kill, so great. Kill some ancient red shirts here as he runs. Um <laughs> and uh boarding the nooker, he rides off to fight the ghost dragon, but that doesn't stop Gan from throwing the spear uh. of lug with a mighty call of Eba, and it pierces the nook the nooker's head. Oh no, nooker. The credits page is a black and white image of Gan as slain and the nooker fall to earth. The phantom dragon attacks, and this um and, and we get some awesome aerial fighting scene God as the nooker rallies to battle. take it on. Yeah, real good. Dragon fight! Still, the two fall to earth as Gan tries to call back his spear, but it is lodged in the diamond skull of the Nooker. We learned this Ugh. way back in the old days when we first met these guys that all mm. uh, all dragons have like sapphire eyes and skulls made of diamonds, basically. It's pretty rad. Yeah, decently rad. Um <laughs> <laughs> at least at, at least through this all, Gan realizes his error and he just killed his new buddy's dragon, which is a party foul for sure. Yeah. As the phantom lands to feast on the Nooker's flesh, Slay Whoa. manages to work the spear free and then throws it, causing the phantom to explode God. from the inside I, out. I love that final, like, just this whole page is fucking amazing, but the one where you just sort of see his one... Like glowing blue eye post throw. So rad. Definitely. Afterwards, Gan apolog- apologized and agreed to team up with Slain as the barbarian scolds Uko for trying to cut out the Nooker's jeweled eyes. Oh, not even scold. Uh, uh, like, he just doesn't say anything as it slowly yeah. zooms in on his very pissed off eye. You are not touching my dragon. Uko's like, oh, you know, I was just, just thinking about it. You know, it's a keepsake. Cut out your eyes. No. No? Okay, I guess. Next time, the final treasure. Oh, I'm sure that it took a lot for them not to say solution in that one. I know you love the when they call these stories final solution, Fox. I They do it a lot. Just because they do do it a fair amount. But with that, speaking of final things, we've completed all of our thrills Ooh, for boy. this Prog 650 to 653, a new listener episode. If you're new to, to Space Spinner, welcome. And if you're still with us all, all this time, hey, man, new era. We're going to have some fun. Really excited for what's coming it's, up. God damn. I don't even know how we're going to do a top and bottom. Well, that's the question. I must know. You must decide what are your top and bottom thrills. Jesus. All right. So all of them are my top. <laughs> I mean, it was a fantastic month, right? Like, so it's it's a little difficult for me at this point just to do top. So I'm going to buy myself a little time. Right. I am going to say that while I do not agree that it deserves a place on the bottom, because I have to select one and I will select one. Yes. I'm going to say the dead man is going to be my bottom. Mm. And the only reason why is that it's uh, primarily all set up. Yes. You know, so, and very much it's, early it's building days the, the dead story. Man. 
Yeah. yeah, so it's it's building the story. I'm very bought in. Me putting it on the bottom is literally because I'm. It's an embarrassment of riches sort of uh, month that we have going on here, man. I'm I'm super stoked for it. In terms of top, so when I'm looking through all of this, right, mm-hmm. there is there is a very clear set of criteria that that you have to have that sets you above everything else, and that is. Are you in fantastic color with some of the most beautiful art I've seen in such a long fucking time? Ooh. Right? So, like, of course, I do love me some Zenith. Of course, that's something that I, I want to keep reading. But when we're talking, like, some of the best Selena artwork we've ever seen, when we're talking about Carlos Escara coming back for Dread, when mm-hmm. we're talking about uh, Rogue Trooper, which is just visually fucking stunning. Yeah, Will Simpson. These yeah. are these are the three very clear contenders, and I'm gonna say, oh man, this is rough. I'm gonna say it's it's gotta be fuck because it could be slain, but it can't be slain. There's only like two action things in it. I'm gonna say the Rogue Trooper story. Ooh. I think that I think that. It is it is like this interesting I mean, even though that you've already given me some foreshadowing on it getting cut down in its prime, I love sort of the take that they did. I think that this is so much better of a of a story comparatively, right? Like it definitely mm. feels like a lot more like a war story. It's definitely a lot more hard hitting. Um I love this kind of amalgamating of mementos that that's starting to happen. Yeah, it's a I'm giving it to it, it's and it's take fucking beautiful. One. Nice, yeah. Will Simpson, Dave Gibbons doing this big <sighs> trooper thing. Awesome. That was so hard, Conrad. <laughs> now you make a hard choice. You make a hard choice. God damn it! What were your top and bottom thrills? Oh man, like you say, there's a real embarrassment of riches this uh, this month. It's a great jump. You know, this is really like they've. We've seen him clear the deck of all these black and white stories, and this really feels like they were, all right, we're going to put our best foot forward for this relaunched comic. Fuck you know, it's, yeah. It's 40 pence. It's kind of expensive, but we're really kind of trying to make it worth your while to at least get you on the on the bus mm. with, with 2000 AD here. Um, I think I might join you with the dead man as my, uh, as my bottom. Mm. Just because, like you say, it is very much just a setting things up. I mean – um, Dread always has a standard of action just because it's so established. And then both Slain and Zenith are sort of in part two, so they've sort of set things up already. Yeah. And War Machine and uh, and uh, and War Machine. The War Machine's whole point is that you get dropped into the action right away. It so, truly is. While I, you know, I am super, I'm so excited for the Dead Man. I think actually, I would say, I I, I would also guess that. A lot that most of our listeners who are familiar with this story also know that we're going to have a lot of fun with this dead man story. Fuck um, yes. And that it's really something that I know, like, once we kind of got, once we started getting close to it, it's when I've been very excited just to hear how we sort of go through it and stuff like that. Oh, um, man, that just stokes me so hard. So, but I think I'm going to start with it on the bottom just because I know where it's going to go. And we're seeing some hints of it. Some, you know, just like I want to st- like I feel like I want to do a count of every time we see Yas's uh, uh, terrified face because <laughs> things just get worse and it keeps coming up. And it's and uh, and Ridgeway does such a great job with it. But it's got a, it's it's bottom for now. Um, OK. For top. Oh, I know. There's a lot of stuff I know. here. I know. Um, it's fucked. 
it's really fucked up. I'm temp. I'm super tempted to say slain. Um, I mean, it's it's all gorgeous. It is those, just a death metal album. Yeah, just because Bisley's art is super amazing, and like, there's a dragon fight and stuff. Oh, there is a dragon fight, and like a cyber, a medieval cyber hand, and all <laughs> kinds of stuff like that. It's all. It's got what I'm looking for. Like, mm-hmm. like dreads also up there for me too. Like, like I mean, it's Carlos Escara's back, and that yeah. giant story is real good. War Machine is 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 good as well, but I I really love that this young giant story. Um, mm. you know, Wagner and Escara really sort of drawing some of the darker corners of Mega City One and establishing a character that I like instantly just because of his pedigree and stuff, which I think is really great. Exactly. I think though, in the end. Mm. And then I, I will say I kind of want to also call it War Machine just because we're sort of a ways, you know, it's leaving now and it won't be back for a while. So unfortunate, yeah. So I, 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 I it should get its licks in, but in the end, I'm going to say Slain for this week. Fuck yeah! Um, I just loved it. That image, both of the dragons sort of arriving at um, at Gan's castle, and then this flaming spear going through yeah. Knucker's head and stuff. Oh, so, so much intense. of it's so great. Yeah, and just, you know, while it hasn't been a main one, this character of, of the Nooker has been one that we've sort of hung out with since. Yeah, man. Like, since the early days. Like, I mean, the story that introduced him was drawn by Bell Ardinelli for, for uh, it's so gosh good. sake. Like, that's, before that's we been- even... Before we even learned about like all the weird mystical stuff, you know? Exactly. Well, and certainly before a pluke. Good exactly. Lord. Yeah. Much better flying monster <laughs> is the nooker. <laughs> so I'll go with that. Oh, man. But it's a hard one. Like you said, this is a good, good old month. Definitely one to think about for our end of year uh, retrospective episode, The Spinnies, which is oh, hell yeah. on the horizon. Maybe three more or two more episodes until then. Three Ooh. if you count the winter special. And savvy counters of progs will also notice that our next two episodes will actually be three prog episodes, Fox. Short ones. Maybe Ooh. we can get some more high intensity thrill power. But with that. Loverly. <gasps> yeah. I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site, spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums, or our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages on Twitter. We're at spacespinner2k. For everything else, go to spacespinner2000. You should find us there. And come back next time as we'll continue on the trail with Young Giant. The Dead Man goes on a quest. Zenith goes mad, crazy metal. Ucko goes on an expedition, and Chopper arrives to go to Super oh. Surf 11. Fuck yes. <laughs> Super Surf. Exactly. Until then, I'm Conrad's Fox, and we are Space Fitter 2000.